Psalm 19 is another long one, so we're going to spend a couple days on it. But I want you to pay close attention to the way that David talks about how God reveals himself in nature. I think sometimes we overlook this. We can look out and say, oh yeah, that's beautiful, that, you know, those beautiful trees I'm looking at, or that beautiful sunset, it reveals God. But but it goes deeper than that. The systems that are in place that create the the fall leaves or the snow falling when it gets cold or all of the things that are part of the systems of nature that science would look and say, okay, this is a scientific process. Those are all aspects of God. It's called the hokma of God, the natural order of things, the way as a creator, he created his creation to function. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today and see what David has to say. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, before we get into today's episode, I have a quick word. I know that you have been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. I know. I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus, how he calls them, how he encourages them, how he equips them. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, helping you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I also include a lot of cultural and historical information that makes these familiar passages of scripture really come alive. This is a great study to do with maybe your teen girls or a group of friends from church, and it will really help you gain confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. Again, head to shehears.org and you can find the Bible study on the resources page. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are in Psalm 19 and we are continuing our Psalm series, a devotional reading. We're not doing real in-depth Bible study, but we're doing some devotional reading around Psalm 19 so we can see how the Messianic Psalms point to Jesus. This is a Psalm of David and we're going to start in verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. 
The precepts of the Lord's are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then will I be blameless, innocent of transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Okay, a lot to get into today. So starting off in Psalm 19, we see a couple different things going on. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. So in the Judeo-Christian view, which is basically the traditions and the beliefs that are shared between Jews and Christians, Judeo meaning Jew, Christian, obviously Christian, in the shared traditions and beliefs in the Judeo-Christian world, um, there is a physical world that declares or reflects God's glory and his creation power. So in contrast, the view of many people around the world is that creation itself is a God or a divine entity. And the, the worldly belief, and I'm talking about lots of other cultures around the world, they claim, you'll hear this often, Mother Nature is a source of life. And really that there are unseen forces in nature or the universe and those forces are what controls human destiny. So you see that in astrology or um, lots of other religions around the world. So there's, there's a group that believes that creation came about by chance. There is groups that believe that it happened just, you know, no creator actually prompted it. It just was the way that things evolved. Um, but really what happens in the biblical view, the Judeo-Christian view, is that we would reject those alternative views and really accept the biblical account of the creation story and really of un the universe itself and then, of course, humankind. So that belief is what inspires people in both the Judeo world and the Christian world to praise God as their creator. We as the creation, praise God as the creator. So that's kind of what we're seeing first off here where it says the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Yes, we are, that is a, a foundational belief for us going all the way back to Genesis. But also it is a way for David to point out the differences between the Judeo-Christian belief system and some of the other systems of belief that would have been common, not just now, but in the ancient Near Eastern world. So the word that's used there, the word that's translated for skies, regia, please don't come after me. Um, in seminary, I learned how to uh, read the, the original languages, not to say them out loud. But that word is the same word that is used, in fact, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, when it talks about the expanse. So skies and expanse would be that same word. And so um, sometimes, like in Genesis uh, 1, chapter chapter 1, verse 8, it's also called the sky, and that can be translated as heavens. But, but basically, 
these are all just synonyms for what was perceived by the ancients as really like a dome over the earth where the sun and the moon and the stars moved around. And so I'm not attempting to explain anything scientifically, but a description really of what we just see from the human perspective. And so for the ancients, of course, they have limited experience not like what we have now, spaceships and all those kinds of things, but they were more interested in the function of those natural phenomenons occurring and, and what that function was in the human realm. And then the relationship that those phenomena had on also the divine realm that was controlling it. And so in the, in the ancient perspectives, what would you, you would see would be things like Egyptian drawings that would depict the sky as a goddess and she would have um, her body bridged over the earth like, you know, part of part of hers, part of what um, would would bridge the gap between the deity and the earth. And, and she was depicted as a god. So um, the sun and the stars would rise and fall on the it would like literally ride on her body as the god and so there would be an ascension on one side of her body in the morning and a descension on the other side of her body at night and so there was even you know the sun we're not going to get into all of that today but the the egyptian sun gods was something that was um very very prevalent in, in their culture and so even david saying this it would have been inflammatory to those other cultures that were around him to the people, remember Psalm 18, the psalm that we see right before this, um, we talked about all of the the war imagery and the battle imagery because David, don't forget, was a warrior. And so um, by the very nature of being a warrior, he would have come in contact with people from other people groups that would have had different belief systems. So what we're seeing here in Psalm 19, starting in verse 1, is David's declaration of the difference between Yahweh as God versus what the other ancients at the time would have believed. In, in reality, and not just in Egypt, the other Mesopotamian belief systems, they would have wrapped anything that was up in the skies as basically a manifestation of a deity. And they did not recognize the function that they had as part of nature. And, and it really um, wasn't even something that they would have thought about because they, they I don't want to say blame, but they kind of just give, I guess give credit to is a better word. They kind of just give credit to anything that they didn't understand to the gods. And so what we see here is, is a, in contrast, is David giving glory to God, Yahweh, and talking about how the heavens are a declaration of God's glory. And we can see that what we have in nature is evidence of the work of God's hands. There's a biblical concept that we see throughout the Psalms, and I've talked about this before in the past. It's called the Hokmah of God. And so the Hokmah of God is really the natural order in nature that we see that is evidence of a creator having rule and reign and a method, really, over creation. And so things like, I live in... The northeastern part of the states this time of year the leaves always change the leaves always change at a certain time of year 
when the weather conditions are right for, for that to happen. And then we get snow. And then in the spring, then the flowers come up. Then the summer it gets hot. So that kind of natural order of things, it happens the same same time every year. It's, it's similar to, of course, the, the earth is spinning on its axis and we are in the orbit and all of those things. Those are all done as a result of a creator who has put intention into his creation. That is not how the ancients would have seen it, the other ancients outside of Israel or Judah. They would have seen all of that as sometimes one God, sometimes individual gods ruling over different portions. So I think it's important to point that out because what we're seeing here in the first couple of verses is really how um, David's talking about how nature reveals God. So I want to read verse 1 through 4. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. There's, there's nowhere where you can go where you cannot see God's glory displayed in nature. Whether it is, I mean, I've been all over the world. There, there are natural elements that are symptoms of God's revelation through nature, no matter where you go. And, and so that's really what David is showcasing here in the beginning part of um, this psalm, just, just kind of speaking. And, and this really is in contrast to what else is going on in the other cultures, really speaking to how we have a God that is revealed, even if we said nothing, he would be revealed in nature. Okay, we're going to skip down to verse 5. It's talking about, In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoining to run his course. I, I think that language is a little bit hard for us to understand, so I just wanted to point out, what the bridegroom pavilion would have been. Essentially, the chamber of a bridegroom was a specially prepared room where basically the marriage was consummated. And so it's used also kind of like a, a parallel in Joel chapter 2. And it really has um, a lot of meaning in the early Jewish traditions where once we saw the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, it kind of took on more of a reference to a pavilion where the wedding ceremony would have been conducted. But prior to that time, it would have been where the marriage was consummated. And so when it's talking about, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course, he is showcasing this idea of... Um, pride and victory and a sense of accomplishment. And I know that sounds weird for us, but you have to think about this in terms of who was the original audience, who would have been hearing this at that time frame. It, this would have made sense to them. And I, and I think it's important to point this out because sometimes what happens is we get on this kick where we will say, and I've heard this taught in lots of different churches and lots of different denominations, that the word of God is living and active, which means it can mean something for me today and it can mean something for me differently tomorrow. And, and I think that's a dangerous way to look at the scriptures because while the scriptures, all of scripture, the whole storyline of scripture was written for us 
it was not written to us. And I think there's a distinction there because we have to recognize that this letter was that David wrote. I'm sorry, this is not a letter. This is a hymn. This hymn that David wrote was written to an audience that would have understand his verbiage at the time. Similarly to how I am delivering a podcast to somebody that can listen to a podcast in the time that it is being created. I cannot say that um, the message that I'm saying on the podcast is not for somebody else in a different in a different time frame. Say 20 years from now, somebody comes across some of the information I explained on a podcast that and it helps them and it points them closer to God. That message was for them, but it wasn't necessarily written to them. Now, through God's spirit, he can use his word. His word does not come back null and void and his word is powerful and it is living and active. But what I'm trying to distinguish here is even though the scriptures were written for us, for us to learn about the nature and character of God. They were not written to us. And so sometimes what happens is we see some of this language that doesn't seem to make sense to us, and either we skip over it and ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist, or we allow it to confuse us so much that we just put it away, or we just we, we just give up and say, well, I don't understand the Bible, and I'm, I just can't, I'm not going to read that part. I'm going to read the parts that make sense to me. Both of those are dangerous ways to approach the text. And in the larger section, we're talking about the bridegroom here, but right above that it says, in the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun. So think about this word. And I, I think this is a comprehension issue too. We want to be paying attention to what we're reading. So he's talking about the sun. So then the sun is like a bridegroom, sun is like a champion. And then he says, it rises at one end of the heavens and it makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. Well, that seems pretty straightforward to us because we understand sunshine. We understand the heat of the sunshine. We understand that the sun rises in one part of the sky and sets in another. But again, David is speaking directly to the ancient perceptions of the sun's journey. And so in many of the ancient Near Eastern cultures, what you would have is this assumption that the sun ran a daily course through the heavens. And, and remember, they, they personified the sun as a deity, probably talking about the sun god or some sort of uh, personification that they uh, don't, like I said before, they're not really looking at it in terms of scientific terms. They're looking at it in terms of religion so they're they're thinking about this the sun running its daily course through the heavens and, and that ends up controlling a lot of how their day is going to go but some of the texts even refer to um the places where the sun enters and exits in the sky a and they would refer to different heavenly bodies that would have paths or, or courses that they would follow throughout the sky. And um, some of the things they would see in the sky, they would they would lay claim to those things. And there's even Egyptian materials that offer those concepts in some of their text, in some of their icons. And so this idea of the sun god is, is portrayed as almost riding across the sky in between an entry point and an exit point. And that course that he takes, that sun god, he or she, depending on which culture you're talking about, um, that would determine what would be happening down on the earth. And so don't miss that. So when David is saying, in the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, 
And then he goes on to say, it rises at one end of the heavens and makes the circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. He is making a declaration. Again, he is elevating Yahweh to the one God, Israel's one God, Yahweh. He was elevating him to a position of having a higher authority than all the other ancient gods combined. And again, this is in contrast to what other people groups would have believed at that time frame. Right after that, in verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. God's word, and really all of the commands that we see in scripture, the instructions and the guidelines, all of it are perfect. In the sense that um, even if we do not 100% understand everything that's going on, whether it's because of our time and space that we occupy, the, the, the time that we've been born into, whether it is a comprehension issue, whether it is a cultural issue, regardless of whether or not we understand it, those things are still perfect because God is a God of order. And so those things essentially become our guide for living. And so when we apply those things, of course, first we have to understand them. We have to read the word to know what it says, and then we have to obey the word. And then once we obey and put into practice those guidelines that scripture shows for us, then there is fruit, there's consequence, there is an effect of that in our daily lives. And so when we apply God's word to our lives, it will always serve the purpose that God has planned for our lives. And so being obedient to God's word will serve the purpose of God's plan for our lives. And so when we live really by God's standard, it is not, I think this is a common misconception. It is not a burden. Um, Essentially it becomes, Jesus says, my yoke is easy, meaning, and we'll get into that later, but meaning it is not difficult to live the life that God has for us if we are obedient to the things he has for us. And um, I think sometimes that's better understood than others. Does that mean that it is easy all of the time? No, sometimes it's very difficult to make a decision to be obedient to something God is calling us to do. But the encouragement there is if we do things God's way, it's going to be far easier than if we try to do it our own way or even worse the way that the enemy had planned for us and so even though it might be hard to make that decision and to step out in obedience the difference of the consequence of that is really what we're going to see it's much easier to to live out the way that god had planned for us to live versus the alternative and so that's kind of what he's talking about here the law of the lord is perfect it's reviving the soul i think we're going to pick up there tomorrow and I want to go back and I want to read this again for you today because, again, one of the things that I really think is important is meditating on God's Word, listening to it. And and if you haven't already been doing this, I would encourage you to read Psalm 19 throughout the day today to, as we're going through these different Psalms, don't just listen to it on the podcast. Listen to it on your way to pick the kids up from sports or while you're doing laundry or while you're making dinner. Start to get this word in your heart and your head and your mind because that's how we start to understand and comprehend things is, is reading it 
multiple times. So that's what I did a whole week on meditating on God's word. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. And, and that'll kind of give you some insight on what I'm talking about. But that's how we get God's word into our hearts is by meditating on it. So I'm going to stop here. I'm going to start over and read Psalm 19 again, and then we'll pick up with some more insight tomorrow. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion coming to return to his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from the willful sins that they may not rule over me. Then will I be blameless, innocent of transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God, I thank you for the way that you continue to reveal yourself through the Psalms and the way that you use the psalmist, David, to reveal aspects about you. And, and Lord, as we start to uncover some of the things that we might overlook because of our difference in time and space, Lord God, help us to recognize that your word was written for us, even if it wasn't written to us originally, that, that the things that are revealed about who you are are the same today. And the way that you interacted with David, the way that you worked on his behalf, is the same that you work on our behalf and how you interact with us. God, I thank you that you long for a relationship that is real and tangible with us. Lord, help us to respond to that. Help us to respond to the way that you draw us in through your love. I thank you and I praise you in all things. Amen. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call on your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.